this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the in focus podcast i'm jayan shriram your host for today's episode as we close out the year with our last few episodes we will be focusing on topics not immediately in the news cycle but that nonetheless merit a deeper discussion these are news stories that may keep cropping up over the next year and so we'll try and provide context and grounding to the discussion around them as we go forward the first of these topics which we'll deal with today is the plan for india's new parliament building part of the modi government's ambitious central vista project which entails building and refurbishing the government buildings on part of the 3.5 kilometer stretch from rashtrapati bhavan to india gate known as rajpath on december 10 prime minister modi laid the foundation stone for the new parliament building and said the new building was the need of the hour as it would be equipped with new technology and have more space for the smooth functioning of parliament and various ministries there has also been criticism of course from several quarters much of it centered on the cost of the central vista project and whether undertaking it is appropriate at a time when the economy is suffering a batch of petitions in the supreme court have also opposed the proposed change in land usage of the central vista area so as we look ahead and back while trying to give context to the story one overarching question stands out what is the case for a new parliament building and does india need one in this episode we'll take up that question in detail tracking the way the role and functions of parliament have expanded since independence and whether the current infrastructure is enough to support it we'll also take up the question of whether an upgrade in infrastructure alone is enough to fix many of the issues with parliament's functioning today my guest today is chakshu roy he is the head of legislative and civic engagement at prs legislative research Chakshu welcome back to the Hindus in Focus podcast thank you so much for making time for us today Jayan thank you for having me again so let's just start with a with a rather basic question and then sort of build on that you know just as a way of giving background and context to this whole issue so uh, why does why does india need a new parliament and does it need a new parliament Jayan the existing building of parliament was constructed about 100 years ago Uh, right. it was uh, the foundation for the building was laid in 1921 it was inaugurated in 1927 so approximately you know we're reaching about the 100 year mark the work of parliament has uh, increased dramatically uh, post independence uh, pre independence uh, the purpose of the central legislature as as you know made out was basically to you know convene the central legislature together uh, to for the collection or authorization of revenue and the central legislature didn't have enough powers for uh, on a range of subjects so its work was limited post independence the scope of the work of the legislature has expanded quite a bit that expansion has meant that uh, the physical infrastructure required uh to house uh, uh the different aspects of parliamentary work has also increased 
now uh, what what you and i uh, as citizens see is uh, only one part of parliament which is the two houses of parliament uh, now when those two chambers were uh, designed and constructed they were designed uh, for a much smaller number of uh, legislators the number of legislators has also expanded and it is anticipated that uh, there's going to be a further expansion in the size of lok sabha in the coming years uh, so the reasoning being given by the government uh, for a new parliament building is uh, one the physical infrastructure is aging uh, and you know needs to keep up with technology and times second that the existing uh, infrastructure will not be able to support uh, more number of mps when that expansion in the numbers of lok sabha happens right uh, and just before we go ahead chakshu um just you know since independence has there already i mean we think of this now as being a plan for a major expansion of parliament but has the infrastructure around parliament actually been expanding steadily since independence as you mentioned as the role of parliament becomes more complex uh yes jeff uh, so if if you think of the parliament building it's not just one building it's an entire complex yeah uh, so uh, the the circular uh, building is obviously the most prominent one but uh, the work of uh, expansion in the parliament house complex has been ongoing so for example in the 60s Uh, the first uh, secretariat building for parliament came up and the purpose uh, the major uh, purpose for the secretariat building was to house uh, the increasing staff of parliament uh, make uh, committee rooms where committee meetings could take place uh, and also to provide other facilities so for example uh, uh, a little bit of a, a health facilities for members of parliament because uh, in the older parliament building there was a small place where uh, you could go and get yourself checked up uh, but a proper smallish clinic was needed so that was established there uh, the growing uh, number of uh, uh, so for example when the parliamentary committees increased uh, there were select committees formed to look at various bills uh, they needed to be uh, their secretariat needed to be housed there so new secretariat building in parallel to the secretariat building there was a public reception that was built uh, where uh, uh, citizens when they are coming to visit the parliament house could come in and they could be then taken from there you know for a tour inside the parliament house or the other visitors who would coming in so that was the second building that was built in parallel then the work of parliament was also expanding in a number of other ways so for example uh, the parliament library Uh, had to be taken out of the parliament building complex and it was moved to a separate building so that was the next big building that came up uh, i think it was uh, the foundation stone for that was laid in the late 80s and it was inaugurated uh, by uh, uh, prime minister atal bihari vajpayee the the parliament uh, library building uh, then housed uh, the massive uh, parliament library it also then housed uh, a parliament museum that was inaugurated during a uh, speaker somnath chatterjee's time then it housed the studios for lok sabha tv and then other secretarial stuff but that was not enough uh, uh, because by the la- by the early 90s parliamentary committees were now operating full fledged 
So there were, you know, 24 departmentally related parliamentary committees in addition to the three financial committees and other committees of parliament. Uh, so the secretariat staff was increasing. There was an increased need for uh, support for various functions about technology, about media. So another uh, secretariat building was then constructed. Uh, and it was inaugurated as recently as I think uh, 2016 or 17 uh, during uh, Speaker uh, uh, Sumitra Mahajan's time. Uh, and that building now has offices for all the chairmen of the different uh, parliamentary uh, standing committees and you know more, uh, more conferencing facilities, more meeting rooms uh, and more uh, uh, place for the secretariat uh, for the committees. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I guess the, that's a lot of expansion that you have described. I, so is this um, one question that arises immediately is that, um, I mean, do we need, is there a need to sort of redraw the whole map and do this project all over again? Or could we not just build on what's the expansion that's been happening? So, Jent, uh, I think that's a that's an extremely valid question. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's take that question into two parts. Uh, what are the existing facilities that are there in the parliament building and uh, what is it that is missing yeah so one big aspect that is missing in our parliamentary infrastructure is uh, offices for members of parliament we okay. have 790 members of parliament uh, uh, and the only individuals who get offices in parliament are uh, the chairman of the different parliamentary committees and that number, you know, I think it's 24 uh, department-related standing committees. Then there are the three financial committees. And then there are a number of committees, administrative committees uh, of parliament itself. So that number does not exceed 50 individuals. Then uh, uh, the ministers also have to share rooms. Not all ministers get a room in parliament. So one missing piece in the parliamentary infrastructure is... Uh, uh, is office space for uh, our uh, members of parliament. Currently, what happens is if uh, uh, constituents have to visit and meet their members of parliament, uh, they, they they can you know meet them in the canteen in parliament, or then they have to meet uh, inside their residence. There is no formal space for members of parliament to meet their constituents and other visitors or to work out of. So that is one missing aspect uh, of our uh, parliamentary space. The other uh, aspect that uh, is related to the infrastructure of parliament is that over the years, while the parliament house complex has newer buildings coming in, the building of parliament itself has not been able to uh, uh, keep up really well with changes in technology. For example, uh, in 1953, the first teleprinter, of 1953 or 54, the first teleprinter uh, was put in uh, in Parliament. The idea was that uh, it would allow members of Parliament to, to access uh, uh, information quickly as soon as it was put on the wire services, and it would, you know, get put uh, get printed in on the teleprinter. Then on. Uh, we had air conditioning, uh, air cooling and air conditioning come to Parliament because Delhi becomes really, really hot. Uh, that meant more cabling, more ducting, more piping to the Parliament building. Uh, technology hasn't been very kind to Parliament. Uh, 
live television, uh, connected computers, internet, all of them required uh, more uh, uh, more wires to be put in in different aspects or in different parts of parliament. Then came security. There was a parliament attack uh, in the early 2000s. That meant that uh, the security infrastructure within parliament had to be beefed up. So boom barriers uh, had to be put up, meshed wiring, electrical fences, all of those things. Now, what that has meant is that over the years, the the parliament building has become a lot. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of internal work that has been done to the parliament building. And some of that then has resulted in the building not. Uh, so some of it was, you know, temporary work uh, to house and solve a temporary problem. Uh, some of it was more permanent. So the infrastructure uh, uh, around security uh, was more permanent. But sometimes when you wanted to house, uh, you know, uh, create a new office, you had to carve out spaces uh, from within the parliament building. So that meant that, you know, some spaces were refurbished or, you know, repurposed. So I was reading a report somewhere which said that uh, some toilets had to be closed down and then, you know, converted into offices. Over the years, uh, what has happened is that there have been then, there have been a couple of fire uh, incidents that have been reported in the parliament house complex. Then proceedings of the two houses has to be adjourned on on, on a couple of occasions uh, because of bad smells uh, which couldn't be removed so the house had to be adjourned so the so to me uh, uh, part of uh, the problem is that it's an old building obviously it's an iconic building and uh, you know connected uh, immensely to uh, our independence movement the constitution was formed there the first time uh, uh, india's flag was hoisted first at parliament house so there is a lot of uh, historical memory associated with the building, but the building is also showing signs of wear and tear quite extensively. And uh, that then means that uh, it is impacting some aspect of our parliamentary functioning. Uh, so that is another aspect that has to be thought through when we are thinking of the parliament building. So there is a case for um, upgrading infrastructure and uh, creating a new building, as I think the details of which you very succinctly laid out. And But let's just pick up on the last thing that you said, the functioning of parliament, and then perhaps uh, move to a slightly different uh, theme in this conversation, which is that, um, you know, there are many problems with the way that India's parliament functions. We've discussed it many times, some even on this podcast. Will a new building, will new infrastructure immediately solve those problems? Or, you know, are we, you know, what, what is lacking there? Jen, the uh, institution of parliament needs to be supported by multiple things. Right. The physical instra- infrastructure, office space, modern technology is one aspect of it. Uh, improving the functioning of a parliament requires many other things. So let's take uh, so let's take one example. Now the uh, we can we can revamp and build a new parliament building, but the rules of functioning of parliament uh, are still uh, more or less the same that we adopted uh, when the first parliament started in the 50s. Uh, those rules haven't undergone a lot of change. 
and those rules of Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha determine as to how parliament functions. So that is one aspect of parliamentary functioning that requires changing. Another aspect of parliamentary functioning that could require strengthening, not could but actually does require strengthening, is the kind of research support that parliament and parliamentarians need. The work of parliament has become extremely technical. And that technicality has come because governance has become technical. Uh, right. The work of the government of India has expanded. When we started out, the budget of the government of India was a couple of hundred crores. Now it is, you know, uh, I think 27 or 28 lakh crores. Now to oversee that kind of budget, uh, because one of parliament's functioning is to keep a close eye on parliament's, uh, on, on the government's budget. You require more research, you require more technical staff, you require economists, you require lawyers, you require chartered accountants. So that's another area where parliament's functioning and the institutional support that parliament requires has to be bolstered. So physical aspect is just one aspect of it. Changing the rules, which is the software for parliament, uh, equipping it with more research is another aspect of parliament that requires strength. The third aspect that I think uh, requires strengthening is that connect between citizens and parliament. So, for example, uh, uh, many of us, uh, when we were in school, uh, had an opportunity to visit parliament uh, and see the proceedings. Now, how can, uh, and that's only one aspect of, you know, bringing parliament closer to people. You can watch it on television, you can physically visit the parliament. But there are other ways in which we can reimagine that connect between people and parliament getting closer. Uh, access to the physical space of parliament could be one way in which it could be done. Uh, different countries uh, have different mechanisms in the U.S. Congress. You can just walk into uh, into the you know Capitol building, show your identification, and uh, see a sitting of parliament. In the Canadian Parliament, uh, all you need to do is buy a ticket and go in. Uh, in our Parliament, uh, security concerns uh, mean that uh, you need to get your member of Parliament to sign off, and then there are a limited number of seats. So, how do we make the Parliament complex? Uh, and the parliament building, uh, th this space for uh, engagement between people where people can say and, and look at the functioning and say, oh, you know what, this is what democracy is about. Uh, so that's another aspect that we need to think through when we are thinking about parliament's functioning and about a new parliament building. Right. And just one thing to pick up there, because, you know, we mentioned um, the offices for MPs, which, as you mentioned, is a good thing. But um, just to emphasize, you know, giving them offices is one thing. Actually providing them technical staff in order to perform their work better is a completely different aspect, right? I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, giving a member of parliament an office uh, will just solve, you know, the sitting space problem for MPs. Yeah. Uh, what our members of parliament require is uh, research staff. So currently, if you look at uh, the salary and allowances of MPs, MPs don't get an allowance to hire research staff. Uh, they only get a very meager amount uh, to hire, you know, one secretary. And that secretary is then supposed to help them with their uh, with their day-to-day -day, uh, diary, 
you know, making sure that the MPs get to their meetings, you know, are able to take the flights or trains they're supposed to take to get to someplace. Uh, but a legislator's job is also to make laws. And lawmaking is getting technical. So, you know, parliament is looking at uh, laws around insolvency and bankruptcy. It is looking at laws around electricity. It's looking at laws around uh, road safety, uh, surrogacy. The range of subjects that comes before parliament is quite wide and diverse. Uh, it is supposed to debate national security, foreign relations. No MP who gets elected to parliament is an expert in all of these subjects. They, right. they come with some educational backgrounds. But just because they come with an engineering background or a, or a political science background doesn't mean that that's the only subject that's going to get discussed. So if they need to, if our members of parliament need to effectively contribute to parliamentary functioning, they will need expert staff who can tell them about climate change, who can prepare notes for them about uh, India's relations with China, who can prepare notes about the factors too. What does uh, agriculture and agricultural uh, inputs mean for the country? So those things can only be done if members of parliament have access to great research. And great research means that they would need to hire smart people who can do that thing. In every other, uh, uh, in every other developed parliamentary system, members of parliament not only get a physical office space, they also get uh, allowances to hire uh, great research staff. In the US, uh, senators and congressmen can hire anywhere between 10 to 15 staff to help them with their legislative work. And that's another thing that, you know, we need to supplement uh, our members of parliament and our parliamentary infrastructure. I, I thought we could perhaps briefly just touch on uh, some of the criticisms of the Central Vista project. I think it basically mainly centers around cost and perhaps some aspects of it that uh, that might be considered ostentatious. Jent, uh, uh, there have there have been criticisms, and you're right. The criticism is around the cost and the timing. Uh, some of those issues have been taken uh, before the Supreme Court also, and the Supreme Court is going to agitate upon them. Now, uh, my view on this subject is this. Somewhere down the line, we will have to think about either refurbishing the existing parliament building, repurposing it, uh, you know, maybe moving some out of the offices out of there and only using it for the sessions. But right. at the end of the day, uh, whether it is now or whether it is two years down the line or three years down the line, somewhere down the line, we'll have to think about parliament's infrastructure, both the both the physical part of it and the softer part of it. and. The physical part of it will be possibly a one-time cost and, you know, some recurring cost for maintenance. The softer part of it will require that much more work, right? I mean, it will require more thought uh, and it will be an expenditure of a recurring nature. Uh, you'll have to invest in people. Uh, parliament staff will have to be strengthened. More staff would have to be hired. So, the uh, you know, I was looking at the budget of parliament. Uh, the budget of parliament is about... 1200 crores or 1300 crores mm -hmm. and uh, and with that 1200 crores parliament is supposed to oversee the functioning of the executive branch which is uh, of a much uh, which is a which a much larger uh, entity the government of india's budget you know for the country is 27 lakh crores 
how do you oversee you know 27 lakh crores with an institution that has a budgetary support of 1200 crores so somewhere down the line we'll have to have that conversation about what is it that we need to strengthen parliament with yes it is going to be a physical building can be now can be later uh, but that bigger conversation about what more other than physical conversation that also needs to be had uh, and that's the missing piece of the conversation that uh, we haven't had for a very long time and um, you know just chakshu a couple of uh, interesting things arise when you think about uh, the seating arrangements uh, in this new parliament building some of it i mean i think we know some aspects but not really the minute details but just to pick up on this we have examples from around the world where basically um, you know we have this opportunity now to you know once a new building is completed to sort of uh, redo some of these rules um what are some of the ways in which seating arrangements really how seating arrangements really determine the tone the structure the kind of interactions in parliament buildings around the world jen so if you if you uh, look at parliament tv if you look at lok sabha proceedings and rajya sabha proceedings one of the things that you'll see is uh, that our parliament is uh, uh, organized you know the seating is organized in a horseshoe kind of a fashion so all members of parliament face uh, the speaker and then they or, or the chairman of rajya sabha and then they interact uh, in, uh, in in the british parliamentary system for example they 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 sit opposite each other so the treasury and the opposition just face each other so it is more of an adversarial kind of a debate when our parliament was designed uh, herbert baker thought that because of the plurality of the country uh, and uh, and not to have an adversarial system it might be useful to have a system where people sat around uh, uh, without directly in confrontation to each other so that's one interesting aspect of uh, you know our our uh, the seating arrangement of our parliament in our current seating arrangement uh, not everybody uh, uh, gets a desk uh, so only the the front two rows uh, in lok sabha and rajya sabha has uh, desks attached to it everybody else sits on a little bit of a bench and they don't have a space to uh, to write and keep their notes on and when the house is full it's it's really packed uh, uh, members of parliament are literally uh, sitting shoulder to shoulder with each other and possibly that's not a that's not the best way to sit if you're going to sit there for a long time uh, i think the new parliament building is going to uh, have seating arrangements which will allow for two people to sit comfortably you know without getting cramped for space there's going to be a table where they can uh, write in front of them and keep their notes and stuff and uh, different legislative assemblies have already started having that system right i mean for example the newly created jharkhand assembly uh, has two person seating Uh, and a generous desk in front of it so that uh, you know people can sit and write on it the kerala uh, vidhan sabha has recently put uh, 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 screens onto the desks of mlas so that they can access information easily uh, similar steps uh, with electronic screens are also being put up in some assemblies in northeast then uh, just the way uh, uh, parliament is organized is also uh, uh, is also reflective of you know how our parliament works so for example uh, in our committee rooms in parliament house uh, the members of parliament and anybody who is coming to depose before the committee uh, they sit uh, at the same level so they sit across each other 
uh, around a round table uh, very often uh, that reflects uh, that uh, that spirit of cooperation that somebody who's coming to depose before parliament is an equal and is trying to contribute information to make uh, if you look at the us congress uh, you would notice that uh, when they telecast the proceedings of their committees live uh, the chairman of the committee and the members of the committee sit at a much higher level almost like judges and the people who come to testify before the committees they sit at a uh, uh, at a floor level uh, and look up to the chairman and answer and that creates that environment of an inquisition almost like a questioning environment uh, so yeah so i think uh, architecture and design have a whole role to play about how open or closed institutions are uh, and that that's uh, especially true for uh, the indian parliament also uh, i'll take another example uh, the canadian parliament in summers uh, opens up the lawns uh, of the parliament house uh, so that people can come and you know do yoga so i think they call it uh, yoga wednesdays uh, and and the parliament house lawns are open up in uh, uh, in uh, uh, for the canadian parliament so different parliaments do different ways uh, in which uh, people can come and be a parliament uh, be part of democracy be part of parliament in the german bundestag uh, there's a spiral staircase around the chamber uh, which is see through so you can actually uh, walk up that spiral staircase and look uh, at members of parliament debating on the floor of the house uh, so <clears throat> parliaments do different design things to make their parliaments more inclusive and that's another conversation uh, that uh, when when we when we think about a parliament uh, that we need to about have as to how to bring parliament closer to people i think we'll uh, we'll wrap up this conversation here i'm sure this is a subject that we'll pick up later as and when we get more details about uh, plans for the new central vista project and thank you so much for joining us today and explaining all these deeds to us thank you jain in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.